You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. And one of the reasons we're in Acts is because we want to see how the early church went about the business of reaching people for Christ. And the early church was exploding like crazy, but there was a lot of opposition and there was pushback from outside the church, and that's where you'd expect it. But there was also pushback from inside the church as well. And Paul and Barnabas were the spokesmen for the gospel. And they were about to go on their first missionary journey to the known world. And the church that sent them wanted to make Jesus known in the worst way. But as soon as they got started, they ran smack into the powers of darkness. It didn't take long at all. But the good news is, is that darkness didn't win. Jesus did. And when you're out there and you're making a difference in your sphere of influence, whether it be as individuals or as a church, we can depend on the fact that no matter how hard things get, no matter how many bad things happen, no matter how lonely it is, We can always trust that the powers of darkness will never, ever win victory over the light of Christ. So we're going to take joy in that fact this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have a phone or your tablet, you can turn to Acts chapter 13. We don't have Bibles for you in the pews right now because of COVID. So if you don't have any of those tools with you, you can always just follow along on the screen. Acts chapter 13. And so we know that the church in Antioch was ready to send people out. And here they're going to start with Paul, who had just been converted from a Pharisee and a Christian killer, and they're going to send them into the known world. This is where Jesus said to go. Start in Jerusalem and work your way out. And now they're working their way way out to the known world. But they were going to to have to overcome some extreme powers of darkness along the way. So today, we're going to see a collision between darkness and light. And we're going to see who wins. And so we're going to begin in verse 2. And the stage is set for this first missionary journey. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so they were intent to do what God had commanded them to do. And off went these amazing missionaries. And the light would encounter darkness. But I would argue that victory was already being won even at this early stage. And here's why. And here's the first point I want to make this morning, and that is the light of Christ is seen when Christians come together in unity. Unity is vitally important, and we can see a tremendous amount of unity here in the church in Antioch. Now, this had kind of become the basis of this missional ministry for the church. The mother church was in Jerusalem, Antioch had become this kind of satellite launching pad 
for missionaries. And there was definitely a leadership transition taking place. Peter had kind of been the guy, and now Paul was taking on that mantle. And if you look at verse 3, we see that the church was preparing to send these missionaries, and they were worshiping and fasting. And then there's the phrase, the Holy Spirit said, which probably means that the Spirit spoke to one of their own. But believers here are especially attuned to the Holy Spirit because they are praying and fasting. And this is the kind of spiritual activity that marked the early church. Lots of prayer and something we don't talk enough about, which is fasting. And fasting really is fairly simple to describe. As we are going without food, it helps us to keep our heart and our mind on the eternal and not the temporal. The hunger pains remind us that we are absolutely in need of God's provision. And our bodies change enough where supernatural things can happen and God can speak to us in a new and different way. And so they were praying, they were fasting, and this is a norm for the church. Paul and Barnabas did this whenever they would plant churches and they would cover their leadership this way. If you look at Acts 14, 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so prayer and fasting were an incredibly important part of the life of the early church. And this is what created unity. This is how they came together and worked on this project of sending missionaries out. They ate together. They worshiped together. They shared their belongings. And they fasted. And so then God came along and did amazing miracles. This was a time of incredible miracles. So when Christians are unified, eternally important things begin to happen. And darkness is swallowed up literally by the light of Christ. Because the church and its, and its members, its people, are shining that light out so brightly, darkness doesn't have a chance. So unity is important. The second point I see here that fits our context here in 2020 is that the apostles had to get out of their comfort zone and they had to go spread out to make it happen. And so here's the second point. The light of Christ is seen when Christians take a chance and they spread out, and they go for it. And I chose these words intentionally, take a chance. Because nothing good happens in the Christian life, it seems to me at least, without taking a risk. It's churches, it's people that are willing to step out in faith that make a difference. And so that's what we see happening here. And I think that it's really important to remember this, and Jesus had commanded them to do this, to go out into the known world. So I want to show you a quick map here. I know many of you are enamored with Bible maps, so I had to put this up here, but I just wanted to give you some context. So if you look here at the Middle East and over here toward Turkey and so forth, this is Jerusalem here, so here's Israel, and this is the church in Antioch of Syria, which is now Turkey. So they started here, and they went to this island of Cyprus, and we'll see them visit these two cities here. After they leave Paphos, they move up here into the northern 
another city of Antioch, which then leads them to Derby, and then they retrace their steps all the way back to Antioch. This line right here is Mark when he leaves and comes back halfway through the trip. And there's one thing I do want you to know about this. This is 1,400 miles. It's 12 to 18 months. It's dangerous, and it's not easy. But here they are, and they're off and running, and this church in Antioch is blessing them as they go. So nothing is going to come easy when a church decides to send, to plant, and to multiply. But it's through courageous multiplication that the gospel goes to new and difficult places to reach. So let's take Ridgewood Church, for example. We're placed here in Minnetonka, Minnesota, and our church has been around for a long time. Our church was started um, by a group just up the road in the middle 1800s. Like, it was a long time ago. But our forefathers had a vision. We want to reach our community. We, we want to make a difference. And so they started this work and became Minnetonka Baptist, now Ridgewood Church, and here we are. And we have this local ministry, but we've also been commanded by God to go out and reach the world. So we do send missionaries. But part of that is to multiply. A church should be multiplying at every level all of the time. We should be multiplying in volunteers. We should be multiplying in leaders. We should be multiplying in attendance, given a non-COVID year at least. Everything should be multiplying, and that includes multiplying churches and planting churches. Now, one shocking stat that saddens me greatly is that in the United States today, only 1% of churches, 1% are actively planting churches. And here's what I mean. They plant, and then their plants plant, and their plants plant. They're, the DNA is planting. Only 1% of churches in America do that. And, and this is at a time when there's pain everywhere. This is at a time when millennials are fleeing the church. And so the question is, what are we going to do about that? Planning is hard enough. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so would you please pray that we could courageously multiply? Some exciting things have come up on the radar. I'm going to inform you when the time is right that we're looking at, that we're investigating. But it's, it, we've got to take this seriously because people need to hear about Jesus Christ. And so new people need to hear. It comes through unity. And now as the missionaries go out, we see this incredible confrontation because it didn't take long and they ran smack into the powers of darkness. So if you look here with me at verses 6 through 8, we see this happen. They arrive in a city called Salamis, a Greek city on the east coast of the island of Cyprus. They go another hundred miles to Paphos, and here's what happens. Verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Alumus, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, 
seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And so here's a truth that I'm not going to put up here to discourage you, but to help you to gird yourself against what will happen. When the light of Christ shines, its enemies will attack. There's just no getting around it. And, and one of the things about the church in 2020, as I, as I listen to evangelicals talk and I follow them on social media, they seem genuinely surprised that the world doesn't like their message. And I'm thinking to myself, have you read the Bible? Because Jesus talked about this all the time. And Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. That's strong language. But that's what happens when the light shines. Darkness fights back. And so here's Barnabas and Saul. They, they begin to approach this man named Sergius Paulus. He's what would be like the governor of the region. And then they're confronted by this magician by the name of Bar-Jesus. Now, he wasn't a magician like Copperfield or Houdini or David Blaine. The translation of that word here in the Greek is sorcerer. So he was a wizard. He, he was in darkness. And the problem he had is that he was an attendant. He worked for this governor, Sergius Paulus, and he saw him become interested in the gospel. And so he began to be concerned about his own self-interest. And so what did he do? He came against the gospel. And he was representing the powers of darkness. And this is where these two worlds collide, light and darkness. In verse 9, Saul takes leadership. He calls the man out for what he, he was. Verse 9, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's an important phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? So, Paul's not mincing words here. He, he, he knew this man represented darkness, and he pointed it out and he exposed it. Now, the Aramaic for the name Bar-Jesus, ironically, is son of Jesus. But Paul knew that he was nothing of the sort. Paul knew that he was a child of the devil. He was full of deceit. He was full of villainy. And the reason he was there was to thwart the work of the gospel. He was not fooled by this man. And, and here's the thing that I want to just take this opportunity to tell you, is that if this man lived in our time, we would say that he was heavily involved with the occult, or he represented the occult that kind of darkness. And we need to take this kind of thing seriously because Satan is real. And we don't want to give him a foothold in our lives. So even benign things can make you vulnerable to attack. When, when you're dealing with things like horoscopes or, or dark and violent movies, or even conspiracy theories that just lead you into darkness and confusion, or simple things like 
going to a carnival or the fair and saying, hey, I want to get my palm read or a fortune teller. Don't do it. Don't open yourselves up for that because Satan is the real thing. He is a fallen angel. Angels have real power. They have supernatural power, far beyond our own. And you can get hurt that way, seriously. But the good news is you don't have to walk in fear of it because the powers of darkness can never, ever win victory over the light of Christ. And that's what we're seeing take place here. We're seeing that the missionaries are coming up against this darkness and they're winning the day. So stay away from this stuff. And Satan had obviously influenced this wizard, but he was no match for Saul. Look again at 11 and 12. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And look at verse 12. Here's where the victory is really won. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. It reminds me of when Joseph looked at his brothers and he said, you know, you met this all for harm, but God meant it for good. God turned this attack into a victory. The proconsul became a believer through all of this. And God uses the forces of darkness for his glory. And so here's something that I hope encourages you. There is no battle you can't win if you're indwelled by Christ. If you're, if you're a believer, if you have given your life to Christ, then there's no battle that is too big for you to win because you have within you the power of Christ. But make no mistake, when you are furthering the gospel, you will be attacked. Look what's happening here. If you look just a little bit later on at verse 45 in the same chapter, but when the Jews saw the crowds... They were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And then if you look down to verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. So there was opposition happening. They were coming up against this all of the time. But then there is victory for the light of Christ. Look at verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Multiplication happened because God is more powerful than any force of darkness. And this is true in your life It's true in my life, and I want you to believe it because we live in troubled times. We're sitting here a couple of days away from an election. There's incredible unrest, and it's easy to become fearful and worried. But I want you to know that you have within you the power of God. And here's here's the truth of the matter. A virus, this terrible virus... Is not, is not as powerful as Christ. Evil ideologies are not as powerful as Christ. 
The forces of darkness that want to take your kids and turn their minds and confuse them are not as powerful as Christ. People that harass, people that bully, people that intimidate are not as powerful as Christ. Depression, anxiety, despair are not any match for the power of Christ. And so as you look at this election and you see all kinds of, uh, of, of film of people boarding up and getting ready for riots and it seems like the whole thing is going to come apart. And I don't want, I don't want to make this trite because these are serious issues, but just live your life. You're a child of God. You don't have to live in fear because that's Satan's game. If he can get you to live in fear, then you're going to not be as effective as you could be for the gospel. It's no coincidence that some wizard came right up against them as they were ministering to one of the most powerful people in the land. And so trust the power of Christ. And we see in 1 Peter this marvelous promise that I just love and I want to just repeat it for you. In 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And so to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's your power. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that Christ created every entity, even evil entities, for his glory. And so Satan can try, and he does try, but in the end, Christ wins. And when Satan attacks, it's important that we stick together in unity. It's important that we understand that, that we're not alone. But Satan can have no lasting and eternal effect on us if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. And as the early church was going forth, and as they were sending out missionaries, and as they were multiplying, and people were coming to know the, to Christ in, 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 in huge numbers, pushback came. And, and the powers of darkness were not just going to sit idly by and let this happen, but they knew who they believed in. The, the apostles had been with Jesus after his resurrection. So they were confident. And they went out there and they were willing to give their lives because they knew there was something after this life that they could absolutely depend on. So they were powerful witnesses. And you can be too, and I can be, and this church can be as well. And things will get hard, and crazy things are going to happen. And we are going to feel at times like we're the only people that believe what we believe. Have you ever felt like that? I sure do sometimes. But I can remind you with all confidence that darkness cannot and will not ever win victory over the power of Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.